We'd like to stand for the reading of Scripture because in many ways this is the most important part of the service when we read what God has said to us in His Word. We're going to read this morning from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And if you want to be prepared ahead of time, you also want to find Matthew chapter 6. A big picture, um, I think for most people, either what is said in Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 11, or what is articulated in the Lord's Prayer is the theme of your heart. So in July and in August, we're going to take Ecclesiastes and the Lord's Prayer and study them together because Ecclesiastes asks the questions that the Lord's Prayer, and specifically Jesus, answers. And you're not going to find answers anywhere else. So Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1 The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south, goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full, to the place where the streams flow, where they they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there such a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It is already been in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we have this word and the word of the Lord, and I'm thankful because of Jesus. It's not the last word, but it is an important word. So you help us to study and think accurately about the things revealed in Scripture And the things Scripture reveals about us and the things the Scripture reveals about the King, the Lord Jesus. We pray this in His name. Amen. Man, if you've ever thought that life is uh, absurd or life is insane or life is meaningless, Ecclesiastes, now that is the book for you. There's been something about the last uh, month or so, maybe the last six weeks, that Ecclesiastes just keeps coming back and back and back to, to my life. Uh, 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 when we were on vacation, went to a, a church, and that's what the sermon was. And that followed a book that I had read about Ecclesiastes. And then I turned on a podcast. And, and so all that to say is, is I think uh, God has been using the book of Ecclesiastes to, to help me with some things in my life. And, and then at the same time, I've been in the Lord's Prayer a lot. And I've been struck by how much Ecclesiastes... The questions, again, I know I've said this, but the questions it asks how the Lord's Prayer answers those questions. So we have a, a new sermon series, and I just called it, Life is, and then there's a blank. So, so I'd ask you this morning, what word would you use to fill in the blank? Life is... Well, there's some things Solomon says in this passage, aren't there? He, he would fill in the blank with some things. 
So big picture for us, without a heart, without a life, shaped by the priorities and promises that are articulated in the Lord's Prayer, which we'll get to, it's inevitable that you'll make the same conclusions and have sort of the same heart posture that Solomon does here in Ecclesiastes 1. To state it the most simple way that I can, life without God just doesn't work. It just doesn't. You can trick yourself for a little while. In fact, you might be able to trick yourself for the duration of your lifetime. But ultimately, we'll all realize that life without God doesn't work because God is the author of life. So anytime we try to fill in that blank, detached from, disconnected from God, we're always going to fill it in incorrectly. I mean, it matters a lot more than just filling in the blank. What we're really saying is you're going to live life wrongly when it's disconnected from God. Well, we know Solomon is writing here in chapter 1, verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Here's a little wake-up call for us. Godly parents don't guarantee your children won't drift from the things of God. Solomon was prayed for. Solomon was instructed. I mean, we're by no means calling David a perfect man. But if anybody should have ever learned from the mistakes of his dad, it should have been Solomon. In fact, that's one of the heartaches of being a dad, isn't it? That, that some of the most important lessons you teach your son or daughter are from the mistakes of your own life. And so, so he's the son of David. He's the king in Jerusalem. If you've got a little bit of time this afternoon, you might want to go back and read 1 Kings chapters 3 through 10. And you'll find that Solomon, his reign as king began with such promise. You remember what he asked of God, right? Wisdom. And initially, he asked for wisdom so that he could be a good king and serve other people well. But you know his life, right? His position of power and influence afforded him because of that wisdom. He got a certain reputation in every door to pursue pleasure and power that can be open to a person was open to Solomon. And he walked through just about all of them. What he says here in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's hardly anything that was denied Solomon. And and after years of living like that, he fills in the blank, life is havel. That's what he says, havel, Hebrew word, vanity, vapor is what it means, breath, literally what it means. But in the context of Ecclesiastes, it means empty, meaningless. Pointless. I'll be careful with this, but just take a breath, let it out, grab it. You couldn't do it, could you? That's what that's what Solomon is saying. Life's empty. Life's meaningless. Life's pointless. Solomon's life reminds me of that scene in Home Alone. I think it's one of the most theologically powerful films I've ever seen, you know. Kevin has that first day when his family has mistakenly left him behind at home. And that first day, he starts out dancing and screaming. He's he's so excited to be able to live without his parents' oversight, without his parents' boundaries. He can do whatever he wants. And at the end of the day, the camera pans the counter of the kitchen. And there's eight boxes of ice cream that are open. It's all melting and dripping down the counter and scoops. The ice cream scooper is there. And then it reaches Kevin. He's on the couch. Remember him? And he's miserable. He got everything he wanted, 
and then realized it wasn't what he wanted. That's Solomon's life. He got everything he wanted and then realized it wasn't what he wanted. So let's do a call back to Jeremiah. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So in the biggest heartache in the room this morning is you got what you wanted. And it was Havel. Empty. Fleeting. So here on this particular weekend in our country, we remember and celebrate the Declaration of Independence. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But please listen to me. Solomon will attest to this. He warns us that there's no real life and no real liberty without the pursuit of holiness. So three quick observations from the passage. I've heard these a number of times recently, so they're not going to be original with with me. But the first that Solomon points out, you'll be able to say a quick amen to this. Life is brief. Go and say amen. I'm going to say it again. You say amen. Life is brief. Life is short. He he says right here in verse 4, A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. You know, the curse of being young is you think you always will be, right? And when you're 17, 18, 19, 24, 28, you think, I'll never grow old. I will attest to this. You will. Generation, let's call it 40 years. Generation comes, generation goes. In 40 years, how old will you be? Before you snicker, you're going to be alive in 40 years, one way or the other. But you don't have as much time as you think you do. You don't. Life is too brief to spend on things that don't matter. There's a verse in the New Testament that comes to my mind frequently. I can't quote chapter and verse this morning, but it says, The time that is past suffices for the things of the world. Paraphrasing the end a little bit. And you do so well to believe that. Because here's how, here's how a life is wasted. You just say over and over, just a little longer, just a little longer. I'll get serious about the Lord when I graduate high school, when I graduate college, because that's the American dream, right? You go to college and you live the life of Solomon. That's, that's where life's to be found, right? No, it's, that's Havel. It's empty. Or when I get settled in my job or when the kids are a little older and then you just trickle on and you say, man, it was going like that. Life's so brief. I've read and heard this illustration several times recently as well, so we'll use it this morning too. How many of you know your parents' first and middle name? You know their full name. How many of you know your parents' full name? How many of you know your grandparents' full names? How many of you know your grandparents' grandparents' full names? How many know your grandparents' grandparents' personality, disposition, what they liked, who they really were, where they worked? Now, you ready? Your grandchildren's grandchildren are going to be the same way about you. Maybe they'll scroll and scroll and see some Facebook posts. I don't know. You might want to think about that, by the way, when you post. It's fleeting. Can can we receive two things at once? None of us are as important as we think we are. And all of us are more loved than we dare believe. both, Both are true. Life's brief. It won't be very long, and you'll soon be so very forgotten. 
That's not just true of you. It's also true of whoever in the current cultural moment gets the spotlight. I was reading a book recently, the summer 1927, the name of the book, and it's just going over and it talks a little bit about Babe Ruth, who you probably heard of, and some other people, the most famous people in the world at the time. And out of 10 of them, I'd heard of two of them. And that's not even 100 years ago. And life's brief. I still think the 1990s were 10 years ago. 1992 was 30 years ago. Now, on my phone, I, I probably mentioned this before, I got Amazon Photos, and most every morning, I'll take about three minutes and open up that app, and it'll show me the pictures that I took on this day in years gone by. And every morning, I have the same experience. I look at a picture, and I said, that was three years ago. And then I look at the date, and I said, that was nine years ago. Life's brief. So brief. So, don't waste your life on the things that pass so quickly. Materialism, y'all, such a foolish thing to live for. And put a cap 15 minutes a day on your social media use so you can be with people more than you just scroll. You're going to be 85 years old before you know it, or some of you, you're there. Praise God, you're there. And we would listen to you. You, you wouldn't say, I wish I'd spent more time watching TV. I don't think you'd say that. You'll be 85 say, I wish I hadn't spent so much time on TikTok. This is the generation comes, the generation goes. Life's so brief. Let's get our next point from verses 5 through 7. The sun rises. Anybody love to see the sunrise? Sun goes down. Isn't it good of God to give us a gift too, those of us who aren't morning people? See that sunset and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south. It goes to the north. Around and round goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea's not full. To the place where the streams flow there they flow again. What's Solomon getting at? Verse 6, all things are full of weariness. What's he saying? And life, secondly, not only is life short, life cyclical. Or if you want to be a little more, just let's get, get to it, life's repetitive. Life's monotonous, right? That's what he's saying. The sun rises, it's going to go down. The wind goes round and round and round. The the rivers keep flowing right into the sea, but the seas aren't filling up. It's just the same thing over and over and over again. At our previous house where we lived, we had these two really large pin oak trees in the front yard. And man, it was a job to rake those leaves up. But Julie loves a well-kept yard, and I love Julie. So, So I'd get out there first Saturday of October, I'll never forget it. I, I remember this really well and spent a couple hours raking it all up, stacked on the curb to be picked up, and I was going from the curb to the house, and the wind blew. And by the time I got to the front porch, it looked like I hadn't spent a single minute in the front yard. Within 10 minutes, it looked like I hadn't spent a second working. You ever finish mowing the grass and say, never have to do that again? How about folding the laundry? Get it nice and pristine. 
wrinkles are out. How many of you are awesome fold, laundry folders? I know you're here. Fold it up. Ever done it and said, don't have to worry about that? No, no, no. It's like it just keeps coming. That's how it works at our house. We take it up and then, where, where did this even come from? Change a diaper. Man, I'm there. I mean, well, my wife's here. My children are here. I'm not changing a whole lot of diapers. But I will tell you this. When I change one, I do wish it was the last one. We don't have to do this again. Kids ever cleaned your room and said, Mom and Dad, they never have to bother me about this again. You're going to work tomorrow. You got any expectation that when you're done working tomorrow, you're done. Of course not. The wind's going to keep blowing. The stream keeps flowing. No, that's why we all love vacation, isn't it? Vacation somewhere different. But how many days into your vacation does it creep in? Right? First day is awesome. Second day is like, oh, it's almost over. Third day, you're like, got to go back. This is where midlife crisis comes from. Uh, it's not a confession on my part, by the way. Because you know life is short. And then you take life is short with life is repetitive. Then you start filling in the blank. Midlife crisis comes from knowing the man, maybe half my life is gone. And you know, here, here's what happens. So I need something. What Solomon's going to say? What? New. I need something new. So, so most people, man, you're, you're clicking along. Life is short. Life's repetitive. So I need something to bring life to my life. That's what Solomon, he, hey, I told you he was wise. He anticipates where you're going. Midlife crisis, the, the stereotype is, well, I'm going to go get a new, faster car. New job. Some people spin completely out of control. New whatever. Verse 8. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. We, we might have felt something. Man, I, I came to church for a word. This is a word. Eyes not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Well, Solomon just cut out your and my little hope. Anything new. Now, you might say, well, wait a second. Think about all that we have today that they did not have in Solomon's time. So we need to maybe update this passage. I mean, think about the medical advances. Think about the modern conveniences, the comforts we enjoy. Think about the technological advances. Now, that's true. I think if you could take someone from Solomon's day and bring them into our day, they would stand speechless. But here's the question. For all of that, has it changed those first two things? Life is short and life is monotonous or redundant. All of them. And, and we've lived, you, many of you are old enough to, to, to remember, you got a gadget, you got a device, you might have been there for the first iPhone, and you, man, this is awesome. Question, for all of these advances, is the average person today more joyful than anybody's ever been? Not one bit, are they? I, anybody more at peace? Are we in a time of uh, deep contentment as a people? Of course not. Why not? 
Havel. Vanity of vanities. That's why one generation's premier rock band sings, I can't get no satisfaction. And the next generation's headlining rock band says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I max out around 1990 with music. I'm sure there's one today. So life's really short. Life's really repetitive. And third, life's unsatisfying. That's why we get addicted to the new. The new phone, the new movie. Although we're not doing too well about that anymore. They just keep making the same things again and again. New special effects. I remember as a teenager going to see Jurassic Park, summer 1993, and looking at that screen and said, man, that looks amazing. I, look, I, I saw it briefly the other day, and I said, man, those special effects are awful. Because it's got to be new. We put our hope in the new big screen, the new car, the new government. The newest new thing can't do anything about the problem that Solomon is articulating here. But that's what happens in the passings of the generation. One generation passes. The next generation says, yeah, you didn't quite get it right. But our new stuff is better than your new stuff. That's why the generation, sometimes they are at, you know. (laughs) And there's always going to be a new movie. Well, not always. You know what I mean. A new album released by your favorite musician. A new season of your favorite TV show. A new update to your prized technological device. 40 years from now, 40 years from now, they'll look back on us and say, I can't believe you wore that, and I can't believe you didn't have this. And they'll be no happier for it. Because life's brief, life is cyclical, life is unsatisfying. That's how life is. Is that how life was meant to be? Do you find two things going on within you at the same time. I I think if we humble ourselves and listen to Ecclesiastes 1, two things kind of going on at the same time. On the one hand, saying, yeah, Solomon's right. Anybody? Short, repetitive, unsatisfying. And at the same time, inside of you, thinking, but isn't there more? Is this how it's supposed to be? Is there a thing of which it is said? See, this is new. Well, turn with me to John chapter 10. If you can do two things at once, John 10 and Matthew 7. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 6. So two, two of the Gospels. John chapter 10. Verse 10. The thief, Jesus is referring to the enemy, Satan, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it. What's your translation say? Mine says abundantly. 
fully. It's the picture of a, a cup that's full and the water just keeps flowing. It's the opposite of Havel. Life is vanity of vanities, life is abundant. So in the fill in the blank, you live a certain way, life is Havel, empty. But Jesus said, I, I've come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. And then I know you know this passage, many of you, so well. But turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And, and really all I want to encourage you to do is to think about these words in light of what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1 and just see the juxtaposition, the contrast. You pick up pretty fast that Solomon had been oh so self-centered and the Lord's prayer is oh so God-centered. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 6 verse 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We'll talk about this more in the weeks that are to come, but I want to point you to the place where Solomon took a wrong turn that many years later led him to conclude life is meaningless. And and to do that, maybe I'd ask it this way. What do you believe is the biggest need you have in life? That's ultimately what the Lord's Prayer is, is asking the author of life, the creator of the universe, to give you what you most need. Now, real quick, putting all our things together, left to ourselves, we don't answer this question right. What's the biggest need that you have in life? The biggest need you have is to hallow the name of God. It's the biggest need you have. A way of understanding the fall is when Adam and Eve exchanged that for hallowing their own names. Be this fruit, you'll be like God. We will be like him. They were lied to. The thief, remember, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The, the abundant life is available to those to whom God reveals the biggest need you have is to hallow his name. Is your, name, is your life right now centered on hallowing his name. We'll talk more about what that means in the, in the Sundays that are to come. But Solomon took his wrong turn when he just got so important to himself. God gave him wisdom. Man, tragically, sometimes what happens in life is what God blesses you with becomes what you boast in other than God. Happens over and over and over again. 
And the, the giver's always superior to the gift. Amen? And so because Solomon got this reputation well-deserved, rightly deserved, he was so wise, people started coming to him. Nations around him said, there's nobody like Solomon. And, and then as time went on, Solomon's heart no longer hallowed the name of the Lord. He hallowed his own name, and he began to say, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So a couple of real quick concluding applications for us this, this morning. Prayerfully, by God's grace, we'll dive a little deeper into this in the Sundays that are to come. I'd love for you to regularly be reading the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, in, in fact, if you pick up in verse 12 and just start reading, Solomon's willing to tell you, this is what my heart went after. We'll see that next week. But a concluding application for each of the points we made from Ecclesiastes. Because, number one, because life is short, don't waste a lot of time or waste a lot of life looking for fulfillment outside of Jesus. Friends, the world makes a lot of promises about satisfaction and meaning, but they're all going to prove to be illusions. Second, because life is cyclical, avoid cynicism and complaining as your way of life. Because that's an easy road to go down. You know, uh, I heard one preacher say, as you age, you're either getting sweeter or more sour. I love sweet and sour sauce, and sometimes I think I can combine the two. But you're either becoming more and more a grumbler and complainer or more and more, no matter what, praising God in whom you trust. Friends, the world has fallen. So you don't have to waste your life complaining about its fallenness. It is. And I find for the people of God, oftentimes the source of their frustration is they're banking on a promise that God didn't make. So trade in the promises God didn't make so that you can grab a hold of the promises he did. The creation itself groans with longing for the revealing of the sons of God. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay. Bible pop quiz. Has the creation itself been set free from its bondage to decay? Yes and no. You read Romans 8, that's what I'm quoting. But here's what I'm encouraging you. You don't have to waste your life complaining that it's in bondage to decay. It is. You don't throw up your hands and say, oh, what's this world come to? What's this world come to? Rebellion against God. That's what the world's come to. But you, if you're a follower of Jesus, trust in a God who's come into that world to bless, to redeem, to rescue out of the pit of Havel, vanity of vanities. So your life's going to involve groaning, grieving, and hoping. So don't fall into the trap of only groaning and grieving. When you go to work tomorrow, don't walk in there saying, this is so repetitive and monotonous. Walk in saying, I am here to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I work for him. Whatever I do, I do for the Lord. So because life is short, don't waste it looking for fulfillment outside of Jesus. Because life is monotonous, don't give in to cynicism or complaining as a way of life. And because life apart from Christ is unsatisfying, pour everything you have into following Jesus. Do not adopt an 80-20 plan, right? When it comes to your possessions, you're often told to diversify. Don't diversify. Most people who say, I'll give 80 to Jesus and I'll keep 20 for myself. I was going to say, really give 20 to Jesus, but that's not even true. You're never going to find abundant life following in Solomon's footsteps. I'm convinced, you know, you know this is true, that Solomon, when he set out and took that initial drift from the Lord, he never intended 40 some odd years later to end up saying, life is vanity. That's not where he started, but that's where he got. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And friends, the devil doesn't mind doing it incrementally. You know what I'm saying? It's a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. Here's the good news about Jesus. When he gives you abundant life, he doesn't do it incrementally. You have as much of the abundant life in Jesus as you're grabbing hold of. You can get it all. Friends, God was all in in saving you. I'm encouraging you to be all in in being saved. Because ultimately, life isn't short. It's not. You're never going to cease to exist. Did you know that? Ever. You're going to be somewhere forever. And life is not monotonous. It's not. We talk about new things. We can talk about new covenants. We can talk about a new heaven. We can talk about a new earth. We want to talk about new things. And life is not unsatisfying. Not when you follow Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand and we'll pray together, have a time of response together. Real simple question as we close. Real simple question. Given the current trajectory of your life right now, are are you headed to Ecclesiastes 1 sort of conclusions or John chapter 10 sort of conclusions? You know what I mean? Are you living the life that Christ suffered, bled, hung on the old rugged cross, and died to give you? Father, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. That we can be rescued. We can be rescued. Out of shallow life. Out of bouncing from one seemingly new thing to the next. Filling up our days with things that are fleeting. Give us grace to be a people who grab a hold of what 
matters and what lasts, what's durable and unshakable. Thank you that there is not a single question that Solomon, the wisest man in many ways who ever lived, asks that Jesus doesn't answer. Now, as we respond, give us grace to seek your face together and to be a people who are pursuing abundant life in Christ together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.